You're listening to Indigenous Boom, a podcast by the Atlantic Policy Congress of First Nation Chief Secretariat, featuring conversations on Indigenous health, education, and economic prosperity. Now your host, Krista Thompson. Today on Indigenous Boom, I'm going to be speaking with Thomas Hill. He is the Atlantic Policy Congress of First Nation Chief Secretariat Mental Wellness Project Manager with the Health Department. His responsibilities include managing the four mental wellness working groups. Um, He's providing policy support for the Health Partnerships Mental Wellness Committee. He collects uh, progress towards the implementation of mental health and addictions plans for First Nations in our Atlantic region. He has worked for APC for quite a long time in education, economic development, housing and infrastructure. And most recently, um, he's doing amazing work with the health department. Thank you, Thomas, so much for speaking with me today. And if you could just quickly tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be so appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, well, my name is Thomas Hill, and I've been with APC for nine years now. I started in economic development with a brief layover in housing and infrastructure, and now I've been working my way through the health department since 2015. Great. Um, can you tell us about the, your work here at APC, what you're doing now? I'm the Mental Wellness Project Manager, which is a policy analyst level position. Uh, So anything that is related to mental wellness or addictions comes across my desk. Although a lot of the residential school and day school and missing and murdered indigenous women and girls uh, things go to our support workers who could do that work much better than I ever could. Um, I provide policy support to the First Nations members of the Health Partnerships Mental Wellness Committee. Uh, which is just really a fancy way of saying that I just make sure they have all the information that they need to make decisions that support First Nations community priorities. Uh, So this work also helps inform our health directors meetings, the health partnership itself, some meetings I coordinate for the region's First Nations mental wellness teams, the region's First Nations treatment centers, and anyone else who is just curious about regional mental wellness work. So I also provide formal and informal advice and information to the tribal councils, health authorities, provincial governments, and FNIF, just to name a few examples, I guess. So, um, because you're doing this work during COVID, has there been any changes in the services that are being provided to um, Atlantic communities? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so the, um, uh, the treatment centers themselves had to shut down to residential inpatient treatment, but they never shut down. They maybe had a couple of weeks of downtime to try and rework how they do their work. And then they moved into online and virtual treatment options. Uh, The the treatment centers in the Atlantic region were the first treatment centers in the whole country to actually get back in gear after COVID. And there's a lot of them still that aren't really doing anything um, constructive across the country from what I hear. Um, and it was the same thing with the mental wellness teams. It was the same thing with a lot of the programming that the health centers did. The usual approach to having in-person kind of community-centered sessions where people can see each other and work with each other had to stop. So we had to try and put everything on online. And we've noticed a lot of people burning the candle at both ends to make that work, but it's it's worked like a lot of the treatment centers are posting just ridiculous like 33,000 percent utilization rates because the metrics that they would normally use 
to show how often people access treatment, just they don't make sense anymore because they're providing so many new services and hitting new people that they never would have had access to, uh, or rather new people are having access to treatment who never would have had access to that treatment. So it's, um, it's kind of a, a really interesting, vibrant time where people are rethinking a lot of what they do and a lot of how they do it and going back down to the fundamental goals of what are we trying to accomplish and let's find the best way to do that. Absolutely. And I think mental health has taken a forefront um, because people have been with themselves during this time, you know, having to be at home, having to isolate themselves. So they've had more time to sit with themselves. And so that's great. I think that, you know, our mental health is so important for healthy communities. So yeah, I appreciate the work that you're doing. What is it about this work that you enjoy the most? Um, I think I just, I really like working with people. I like listening to them and helping them define the challenges that they're facing and then working with them to develop solutions to those challenges. And I think there's a lot of opportunity, kind of like what you're saying, what we were just talking about um, in mental wellness to grow and connect and strengthen things. Um, despite all the real world and like heartbreaking problems that communities are facing, um, there is that aspect of hope that we can build something great here. And that definitely gives you a sense of accomplishment and, you know, um, hope, I guess, when you come into the work. I feel like, and, and I hope that I'm making a real difference for real people, positive difference in their lives. Absolutely. People um, outside of the organization have talked about the mental health, mental um, health wellness conference. Is that what it was called? Um, yeah, we had like a, we did it back in February, and we're going to be doing it again this coming February, but it's um, the Indigenous Mental Health and Addictions Training Conference. Yes. <laughs> That's another big thing that I do that I didn't mention before, but a large portion of my job is trying to advance our mental health and addictions uh, strategy for First Nations in the Atlantic region. And one of the biggest opportunities that APC has to advance that strategy is to provide training options and opportunities for community-based workers. Um, it's primarily focused around NADAP workers, addictions workers, but a lot of the things that we talk about are applicable to all kinds of people. So I've had housing directors come to my uh, training sessions, which is great. Like Whoever the communities want to send, we will take and we will gladly impart any bit of information that we give to them. Um, so yeah, we were. It ends up being a big part of my job is those those training opportunities. And the conference information and and everything is still online. Am I correct in that? Yeah, um, we do our best to make sure that everything is accessible. So like we might not be able to give you continuing education certificate hours two years down the road if you go and view those presentations, but those presentations are still visible. And if you go to the APC website and go to the conferences tab, if you scroll down a little bit, and then there's a section for past conferences, you can find the conference that we had back in February, and all the presentations should be there, um, unless something crashed in Vimeo servers. Uh, they should all be there, ready to view, and um, uh, and we'll do this. We'll do the same for every upcoming conference and webinar that we. Do. Yeah, it's a fabulous resource for anybody who wasn't able to attend. So I strongly encourage anyone listening to check that conference page out. 
Um, so yeah, you described your work, but how does it specifically benefit the indigenous communities in Atlantic, the work that you do? A lot of the funding that comes into the region, like a lot of the extra funding or the, the, the things that aren't pegged down to a very specific purpose, um, it comes into the region as regional funding that has to work on a regional scope for regional needs. So if we didn't have someone in this regional position that I'm in uh, answering directly to the communities, then that funding would be spent really haphazardly um, based almost entirely on what the Canadian government thinks is a good idea, which doesn't really have the best track record when you look at the history books. So it'd be very difficult to focus the funding strategically uh, on challenges that everyone faces. Um, so this position is constantly pushing for community priorities to become government priorities and to ensure that the communities have real decision-making power when and where those decisions are being made. That's wonderful. That's what the communities definitely need. They need that power to over their own services. So that's wonderful. So clarify too, like I don't make those decisions. No, absolutely. <laughs> I guess I think I said before is um, my job is just to make sure that they have the right information that they need to make those decisions. So we make sure here at APC, we make sure those meetings happen. We make sure that the communities are prepared with everything that they need to know about FINIP funding. And then we have this great health partnership structure that I'm sure you've heard about in another episode of the podcast that makes sure that community leadership and health directors and chiefs and even all the way down to the addictions workers have a say and an ability to influence the direction that the funding takes. And we just sit here and we, we enable that. So for youth who are interested in working in the health field, um, what would you say to them if you, if, if they were interested in, in working in a position similar to what you do? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a pretty meandering career already, so I don't know if I'm the best person to give that kind of advice, um, but it really depends on, like, it's such a broad field. So it depends on if they want to work as, like, a set of mental wellness boots on the ground or if they want to be at the bird's eye view policy level, like where I'm at. And those things can be two really different things. But if it's, if it's that boots on the ground side of things, I would say that people should just try it out a bit first. Like volunteer at a shelter or a health center or a friendship center or a treatment center or whatever you can find who's willing to take people. Um, anything that can give you any, the experience of working with community members who need that help. Um, and I'd say it's also really, really important to find an elder or a mentor or some kind of uh, a person who can give you some good solid teachings so that you're understanding those volunteer experiences in the right way. Like you could go into a shelter and leave with a sense of purpose or you could leave with a sense of disgust, right? Like it's, it's because those situations can be so raw and unexpected. It can jolt you out of your, your thinking brain and leave you with whatever preconceived notions and programming that you have tucked away in the back of your head. So you need to make sure that you have someone guiding you and helping you to decode what you're seeing. Um, and an elder is the best guide for that, honestly. Um, and then there's also a lot of like counseling or mental health first aid courses that you can take. They, they aren't a big investment. They take like a few days out of your life, but they give you a really good understanding of what the job can be like. And I guess I'm, I'm saying this because the helping professions in general, health in general, it can be by far the most rewarding work that you'll ever do, uh, but it's also really heavy. And like you need to have a good debrief and self-care routine 
or else you can burn out really fast. And an emotionally dysregulated person can't ever help regulate someone else's emotions. And shout out to Sherry Covert for that little bit of wisdom. Um, so dip your toes into it a little bit first, um, just to make sure that this is really what you want. But if it's the policy side of things, um, it can come out of that. If you do that work, if you do it a little bit and you realize that this is what you love, but you want to kind of advance to different levels to make sure that um, you have the right impact that you think you want to have, go for that. Like you don't need to be a psychologist or you don't need to have you know, a master's in health policy. Although I will say that um, some kind of a relevant master's helps and you do need some university education. Um, but I'm a teacher, right? Like my undergrad is in history. Uh, that formal colonial education bit helps for you to teach you how to do the paperwork but you can get the content you need on the job in a lot of cases. And uh, the important content for this job here at APC is as much community context as you can cram into your skull. Uh, if you get a bachelor of social work, for example, and you spend some time working in a treatment center, you can probably have my job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I myself um, am a social worker helping professions and you know, it's, it's hard work, but very, very rewarding, just like you said. Well, thank you, Thomas. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't get to talk about? Um, I mean, not really. I guess um, if people want to know more, go to APC's website, apcfnc.ca. That's the best way to figure things out. You, like you said, we can find all the conferences we've done there and upcoming conferences and upcoming webinars. We've got a series of webinars that we're doing this year on, re <clears throat> excuse me, on rethinking treatment. Um, you know, going again, going back down to those base needs and what you really want to get out of it, what helps the community the best, and just rethinking how we can do that differently um, with the community and culture as the foundation of everything. Um, so those will be on there. We've got another one coming up on December 7th that free to register, up to a thousand people. So I want that to sell out as much as possible. Uh, and it's going to be great. Um, and my contact information is on there too. If you go to the health section of the APC website, there's a mental wellness section that shows our strategy and all kinds of other things we've done. And if you Thank you for listening to Indigenous Boom, the new podcast from the Atlantic Policy Congress of First Nation Chiefs <laughs> Secretariat. Well, thank you, Thomas. I appreciate you taking this time to speak with us. All right, you have a great day. Thank you. Have a great day.